What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. This is episode eight. And I know it's been a while since I last uploaded on the podcast. I apologize for not being consistent. But from this day forward, I promise that I will try to upload an episode a day. And the reason for this is because I've been having a lot of companies reach out to me for sponsorships with the season being a couple of weeks away, but I haven't really been able to get those sponsorships because they never ask me about my YouTube analytics. They always want to know about my podcast analytics. How many viewers do I have per episode? How many podcast downloads do I have? And I always have to tell them that I haven't really been uploading all that much on my podcast and I always have to send them my YouTube analytics and I end up getting turned away. So from this day forward, I am going to be trying to upload daily on the JT Sports Podcast and we have a really exciting episode. We're going to be talking about the problem with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, why the Saints will make the playoffs this season, can the Denver Broncos make the playoffs this year, and lastly, why Carson Wentz will have success with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, if you guys haven't already, make sure that you guys leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to share the podcast on your social media platforms with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And if you're not already, follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram is JTSports underscore, and my Twitter is also JTSports underscore. Once again, my Twitter and Instagram is both JTSports underscore. Now, I want to start off with the Grime Packers. The problem with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now, a couple of days ago, it was announced that Aaron Rodgers turned down a contract extension with the Green Bay Packers that was really lucrative. And then, not too long ago, a report has came out that Devontae Adams and the Packers are far away in terms of coming to agreement to a new contract. Now, when you look at this whole Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay fiasco, initially a couple of months ago, I was on the side of the Green Bay Packers. I felt like Aaron Rodgers at the time was being a drama queen and he already had enough talent to win. But now over the last couple of months, now that I've had a chance to think about a couple of things, my stance on the Aaron Rodgers and Packers debacle has changed. I understand why Aaron Rodgers feels the way that he does towards the Green Bay Packers. And the fact that he turned down a very lucrative contract with Green Bay tells you that this is about more than money. This is about respect. And when you look at the Green Bay Packers, I definitely feel like they have been really disrespectful in terms of how they have handled their star quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and There is a bigger problem than what a lot of people are realizing about this. You see, a lot of people are trying to make this about, well, Aaron Rodgers wants the same amount of talent that Tom Brady has and whatnot. And I don't really think that's the full gist of it. I think it's more than just, you know, Aaron Rodgers wanting to have a little bit more say so in terms of the personnel decisions. But I also feel like Aaron Rodgers feels like this franchise in terms of how the front office has viewed him has kind of ignored them in a way and they're not really listening to him and he probably feels a little bit disrespected 
Now, the NFL, unlike the NBA, is not a player-driven league. The NBA is a league that is dictated by the players. Players have a lot of control in terms of, you know, the ratings, the revenue, and also when it comes to the moves that their certain franchise makes in the offseason when it comes to trading for new players or rather that be signing new players. Normally, the star players on NBA franchises have a lot of leverage and a lot of say-so. And a big reason for that is because of guaranteed contracts. But in the NFL, you don't really have that. You see, you have star players who don't really have that much say so in terms of the personnel decisions that these teams make. The reason for that is because the NFL is not a player-driven league. The NFL is driven by brands. Most of the people who watch the NBA, I would say about 80% watch the NBA and root for a certain team because of the player who's on the team. For example... You have people who used to watch the Miami Heat because LeBron played. And then when LeBron left, they went to the Cleveland Cavaliers and they became a Cavaliers fan. Then when LeBron left the Cavs and went to the Lakers, they became Lakers fans. You have a lot of people in the NBA who are fans of the players instead of the teams. But in the NFL, it's the complete opposite. You have people who are fans of the team instead of being fans of the players. And I would say about 80% of the people who consume the NFL and watch the NFL regularly root for the team and don't really root for a specific team because of the players. Now, you may have players who you root for, who you like a lot, but you're mainly a fan of the team first, then the players second. And in the NFL, there is starting to become a power struggle between star players and the franchise. You have star players who want a little bit more say-so in terms of personnel decisions, and the franchise is not really hearing those guys out. And I think that's a big problem that the Green Bay Packers currently have with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is their star quarterback. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. And he's kind of being tuned out. Like his opinion doesn't matter. And I was watching the I Am Athlete podcast with Chad Ochocinco, Brandon Marshall, Shanning, and Fred Taylor. And there was an episode where they had Andre Johnson on and he was talking about the situation with Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans organization as a whole. And basically the problem is, is that Deshaun Watson wanted, you know, a little bit more say so in terms of what the Texans do personnel wise. And Houston Texans basically ignored him. They wanted, he wanted them to interview Eric Bellinami. He also kind of wanted to have a little bit of a say-so in the head coaching process. And the Texans pretty much tuned them out. And then that led to Deshaun Watson asking for a trade. Now, Brandon Marshall and Chad Ochocinco and everybody else in this episode had a really heated discussion about this. And basically, Brandon Marshall was asking the question... What will it take for the NFL to get to the point where the NBA is, where players have a little bit more say-so in their franchises? And Chad Johnson said that will probably never happen. Because in the NFL, it's not driven by the players, and we don't have guaranteed contracts. And we probably are really far away from ever having guaranteed contracts in the NFL because of the NFL PA. The NBA's PA, their uh, player association, which is where a lot of these salary disputes are settled, 
isn't really as good as the NFL's PA. And the NFL Player Association doesn't really get all that much done. Now, Chad Ochocinco said that these owners have a way of when you step out of line of putting you in your place. Chad Ochocinco said, and I quote, you get your ass out of line with these people and they're going to find a way to whip you back in it. And I 110% agree with the statement that Chad Ochocinco said on that episode of I Am Athlete. Basically, whenever you have a player that is not conforming into the front office and has their chest poked out trying to make demands, you're going to have the issue. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers front office viewed him as getting out of line. And you know what the Packers way of getting Aaron Rodgers back in line was? It was trading and drafting quarterback Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft. Drafting Jordan Love was more of trying to find Aaron Rodgers' successor. Drafting Jordan Love was a power move and a scare tactic on the Packers' behalf to get Aaron Rodgers to sit down and stop talking. And like Chad Ochocinco said, if you get out of line with these owners and you get out of line with these people, they're going to find a way to get you to sit back down and to fall back in line. And that's what the Packers did when they drafted Jordan Love. Jordan Love was not just all about finding their next franchise quarterback. It was about using him as leverage to get Aaron Rodgers the stop making all these demands and to get Aaron Rodgers into fall in line with the Packers program. And you also see a similar thing with Deshaun Watson. I find it funny how when Deshaun Watson asked for a trade, all of a sudden we had all of these accusations by like 18, 19 women come out that Deshaun Watson was kind of having some misconduct with them. And I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson is innocent or guilty, but I'm just finding it really strange about the whole timing of the situation. And like Chad Ochocinco said, these people, when you get out of line, they're going to find a way to get you back in line. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers, the Packers thought that they had all of the leverage on Aaron Rodgers. This is where the Packers went wrong, though. When they drafted Jordan Love, they basically were saying, sending a message to Aaron Rodgers. They're basically saying, okay, Aaron Rodgers, if you don't fall in line with us, we're going to replace you with Jordan Love. They also thought that Aaron Rodgers was regressing. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers, under Matt LaFleur in his first year, although they went to the NFC Conference Championship game, Aaron Rodgers didn't have the great season that he normally has. And there were a lot of people who felt like Aaron Rodgers was kind of regressing. And the Packers probably felt that as well, which is why they also drafted Jordan Love. Because they thought Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be all that great. Well, it turns out they ended up being wrong in their analysis because Aaron Rodgers ended up winning MVP. And now the Packers are now looking at this situation because now Aaron Rodgers, it came out during the NFL draft that he wanted to be traded. And that the 49ers and a couple of other teams were making offers for Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers turned them down. And now Aaron Rodgers basically isn't going to get traded because the Packers are putting a foot down. They're basically saying, no, Aaron, we are not going to trade you. You have two options to either play or retire. 
And there's threats out there that Aaron Rodgers will retire. And maybe he will. And for the Packers, they're basically saying, Aaron, you either play for us or you just retire. And what the Packers are doing is they don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. You see, they're trying to offer him all this money to make up for it. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is a stubborn person. That's the good thing and the bad thing in some situations. But when you look at Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is a guy who has no problem with retiring. He can end up retiring. Yeah, he may miss the game, but he can go ahead and host Jeopardy full time, which is something that he loves doing. And the biggest mistake that the Packers made was not just ignoring Aaron Rodgers' demand. You remember a couple of years ago when the Packers first hired Matt LaFleur and him and Aaron Rodgers kind of were clashing heads, per se? And you know what the Packers told Aaron Rodgers? They reportedly told Aaron Rodgers, they said, hey, Aaron, do us a favor and don't be the problem. The Packers literally told their star quarterback not to be the problem. Let me repeat that again. The Packers told the best quarterback in franchise history in a franchise that has had Brett Favre and Brett Starve, some of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, not to be the problem. They didn't even attempt to listen to Aaron Rodgers. That was the ultimate sign of disrespect and the ultimate slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, despite what you want to say about his leadership and whatnot, he may not be the easiest player to work with. He may be an a-hole. But there are a lot of players who are great who are considered a-holes. Kobe Bryant was considered an a-hole. Peyton Manning was considered an a-hole. When you have a player that is great and wants to be great and wants to have success, they hold their teammates to that same standard. Same thing with Michael Jordan. And when you're not living up to their standard of greatness, they view you in a different light. And that's why players like Aaron Rodgers and Kobe Bryant and MJ were kind of considered hard players to work with because of how they held their teammates to the same standard that they held themselves. Now, it's not to say that Aaron Rodgers is just a completely bad leader. He's not a great leader, but he's not a bad leader. He's also somebody who isn't really great when it comes to, you know, managing certain situations. He's kind of like a drama queen or a diva per se. So he's not innocent in this right neither. But when you look at the Packers, you definitely could take into account some of the demands or something that Aaron Rodgers wants to look in. You see, everybody nowadays, this generation is always asking the question, how can you maintain a relationship long term and there's not really a book about how you can maintain a relationship long term there's a lot of different variables and factors that goes into having a 50-year marriage or 10-year relationship and whatnot but one of the key factors is being able to compromise you have to be able to compromise with your significant other if you want your relationship to last if you are dating a girl and y'all always go out to the places that you want to go out to and your girlfriend offers you a suggestion and says hey maybe we should check out this restaurant and you just ignore her you think your girl is going to stay with you for a long time if you don't even want to consider what she has to say you look at the situation with tom brady 
and the New England Patriots. Tom Brady compromised for years and years taking pay cuts for the Patriots to sign the players that they needed to compete. But in Tom Brady's final season with the Patriots, he basically told Bill Belichick, I want to get paid what I deserve or bring in the players that I want. And Bill Belichick basically told him, have a nice life, nice time knowing you. And Robert Kraft couldn't really do anything because Robert Kraft already forced Bill Belichick to do one thing. And that was trade away Jimmy Garoppolo. Bill Belichick never wanted to trade away Jimmy Garoppolo. But Tom Brady felt threatened by Jimmy G. So Robert Kraft went up to Bill Belichick. He said, hey, you got to get rid of him. You know what Bill Belichick did? He compromised. He got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. What if Bill Belichick would have still firm to Robert Kraft, his boss, and said, you know what? I'm not trading him. And I'll just go and coach another team and lead them to success. But he ended up getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, so he compromised. But after that, Bill Belichick was done compromising and Tom Brady was done compromising, which is what led to the divorce. And when you look at the Green Bay Packers, it seems like neither Aaron Rodgers or Green Bay wants to compromise. Aaron Rodgers wants a little bit of say and the personnel decisions for Green Bay. And Green Bay does want to give that up. And normally, when it comes to compromise in the NFL, you have normally a franchise that wants to sign certain players, but they can't because you have players hogging up all the salary cap. Like for Russell Wilson, for example. When it was reported that at earlier this offseason that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were at odds because he wanted Seattle to improve the offensive line. But how can you improve the offensive line where you're getting this much money? You have to compromise if you want to win. You just can't get all this money and then expect this team to improve if you're hogging up all the salary cap. That's why you have to compromise. You look at Kansas City. When they lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, what did Kansas City do? They won to Patrick Mahomes. They went into a couple of star players on Kansas City. They said, listen, if you guys want to win, you guys have to take a pay cut. And if you guys don't want to take a pay cut, you don't have to. It's just that we can't approve the team. So you had a couple of players on Kansas City who decided to take a pay cut. And they decided to compromise their salaries, taking less money, so they could win. And they ended up making that compromise. And now Kansas City has assembled the Avengers of the offensive line. That's part of what makes a relationship work long term. You have to be able to compromise. Not just you, but your significant other has to also be able to compromise with you. You look at the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, it seems like neither side is willing to compromise. And if you want to be able to have a long-term relationship in this world, you got to be able to sacrifice some things. And it seems like neither the Packers or the Aaron Rodgers are willing to make any sacrifices. And it's going to end up that one or two things are going to happen. Aaron Rodgers either plays this year with Green Bay. He plays out the remainder of his contract with the Packers. And he leaves Green Bay and joins another team. Or he ends up retiring. I think that maybe there's a strong possibility that maybe Aaron Rodgers just throws his hands up and says, you know what, I'm not going to play this year. And I'm just going to retire. Or he just plays out this contract and leaves for free agency. And for the Packers... I feel like they definitely mishandled this. But at the same time, they created this monster. Green Bay for years coddled Aaron Rodgers under Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy gave Aaron Rodgers so much control to the point that Aaron Rodgers felt he was above Mike McCarthy. And in some absence, he was. 
And it divided the locker room because players didn't know who to listen to. Do you listen to the coach or do you listen to the guy throwing the football? And that was all because Mike McCarthy allowed Aaron Rodgers to have too much power. And when you look at Green Bay, when Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were finally at odds, Green Bay was forced to choose between the two. It was either Aaron Rodgers or Mike McCarthy. And the Packers sided with Aaron Rodgers. They fired Mike McCarthy and hired Matt LaFleur. But after that, it seems like they have ignored Aaron Rodgers. It seems like they have ignored his demands. And when you look at Green Bay, I mean, like, you were you were calling Aaron Rodgers. Now, all of a sudden, you, you just don't want to listen to what he has to say? And that's why in the NFL, you have a lot of teams who are hesitant to listen to their star players. Because they don't want their star players to overmine the, the GMs and the guys above them in the suits and ties in the front office. They always want to maintain control. They want the player to be the player and strictly play football. And they want to allow the guys in the front office to make the decisions on the field. But oftentimes that doesn't really work out a lot because certain times you have players who actually are playing on the field and they notice something. And when they notice it, they bring it to the attention of the guys in the front office and they ignore it. And most of the times, it doesn't end up working out in the front office's favor because when you ignore the players, you end up not being all that great because players on the field actually see something that maybe you in the suit and tie may not see. Like Andre Johnson on the episode that I was just referring to earlier on the Iron Man Fleet podcast, he said that he went up to the Houston Texans ownership and told them that they were too top heavy. They needed more. And what did the Texans do? They ignored them. And what happened? Despite the fact that they made it to the playoffs, after that, they missed the playoffs. Andre Johnson wanted out. They wouldn't let him. Similar thing with Deshaun Watson. It's really crazy that Deshaun Watson just got an extension not too long ago. Then after it, he wanted out. And like Chad Johnson said, you really think these owners are going to cut a check for you and then let you leave? Absolutely not. So when you look at the whole Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers fiasco, the biggest problem is you got nobody who wants to compromise. You have the Packers who disrespected Aaron Rodgers, basically ignoring his demands, pretty much telling Aaron Rodgers to just shut up and play. And then what really started this, I believe, is when they told Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago when they first hired Matt LaFleur to not be the problem. They basically said, Aaron, you need to shut up and play. And let us do our jobs. And I understand when a player comes up to you and tells you that they need this and they need that. It can come off as kind of, you know, trying to say that you're trying to tell them how to do their jobs. I understand that. But at the same time, you can't have egos if you want to win. At the end of the day, if you want to have success in any sport, whether that be the MLB, the NBA, or the NFL, it has to be one team, one goal. Everybody has to have one goal in mind. Everybody has to be on the same page from the ownership to the general manager to the head coach to the players on the field. Everybody has to buy into the philosophy. Everybody has to buy in. And for the Green Bay Packers, they're stubborn. You got Aaron Rodgers who is stubborn. And nobody is trying to compromise. And the reason for this is because of egos. People in the Packers front office have strong egos that they don't want to listen to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers also has a really strong ego. And you have the clashes of egos. And it's going to be interesting to find out how this works out. But when you look at teams who are successful, they don't have big egos. And the big egos normally get shipped out. Look at what happened with the Seattle Seahawks. 
And the whole Legion of Boom with Richard Sherman when everybody was, you know, talking about the whole decision to instead of running the football with Sean Lynch on the one yard line and threw the football. And that pretty much changed the whole entire team because now you had all these players speaking out. The locker room was pretty much divided and you had to get rid of some of the vocal guys like Richard Sherman. You can't have egos if you're trying to win. Everybody has to be on the same page. It's okay for players to have personalities. And yes, you may have conflicting personalities that conflict with each other. But at the end of the day, you cannot let egos affect your success on the field. And it looks like Green Bay's ego and Aaron Rodgers' ego has gotten in the way of the Packers having success. And what's coming down to it is that this is going to get really ugly. It's going to get really messy. And this divorce is not going to be pretty. Aaron Rodgers is either going to retire or he's going to play out his remaining contract, the Green Bay Packers, and then he's going to leave. And then that leaves Jordan Love. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jordan Love. And he's probably going to have more pressure than any other quarterback in NFL history that was drafted number one. He wasn't even drafted number one overall. He was drafted in the tail end of the first round of the NFL draft a couple of years ago. But the reason why he's probably going to have more pressure than any other quarterback entering the NFL is because he was the guy brought in to replace Aaron Rodgers. And he wasn't really brought in. He was pretty much meant to be a threat. He was drafted to send a message to Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers thought that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be all that great this year. And they were wrong in their assessment. He balled out. So now you have Green Bay, who's now trying to rekindle their relationship with Aaron Rodgers. They've been trying to meet up with him all offseason, trying to offer him all this money. It's too late now. Once you show a sign of disloyalty, that's unforgivable. Nobody forgives when somebody changed on them. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys watching this never forget when somebody changed up on you. You never forget when somebody ignored your call. Because us as men... We keep up with that. We keep up with the people who actually pick up the phone when we need them. We pick up. We actually remember the people who come through for us when we need them the most. We remember the people who told us no. We remember the people who told us yes. We remember the people who allowed us to borrow money from them and pay them back. We remember the people who told them no, they ain't have it. We remember this. And then Rogers remembers when they told him basically to shut up and not be the problem. And what did Aaron Rodgers become? He ended up becoming the problem. He said, all right, I'm going to become the problem. That's the problem with the Green Bay Packers. No pun intended. You have egos, too many egos. You have Aaron Rodgers who already has a big ego. You have the Packers for an office which seems to have a very big ego. Nobody wants to compromise. All those are the signs to a very ugly and messy situation. And this is going to end up really ugly. And you already have it not working out with Devontae Adams as well. So that goes to show you that the Packers have really big egos. But Aaron Rodgers' ego is just as big. Aaron Rodgers is stubborn. Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to get him to bend over. He's going to stay firm on his position. And then I don't see why you can't give the quarterback a little bit of say-so. You don't have to listen to everything that he says, but at least consider it. And every once in a while, you know... If there's a nice wide receiver up there, try to make the move. Try to go out and get him. But the Packers are too stubborn. And Aaron Rodgers is stubborn also. And nobody's scot free of this situation. Both of these two parties deserve the blame. But at the end of the day, 
The biggest problem is a lot of egos and nobody wants to compromise to be successful. And that's the biggest issue with the Green Bay Packers right now heading into this year. Next thing I want to talk about, I want to change gears. The New Orleans Saints are being heavily underrated going into the upcoming 2021 NFL season. I believe this team is going to make it into the playoffs. And if you watch my New Orleans Saints record prediction that I dropped a couple of days ago, I had them going 10-7. and I believe that this team will make it into the playoffs. And when you look at this team, this is a really good roster. This is still one of the better overall rosters in the NFL. Now, I understand that they have concerns when it comes to the cornerback position. Outside of Marshawn Lattimore, you don't really have a good number two option. And then you have questions about the linebacker position. But outside of that, the New Orleans Saints still have a really great team that is more than capable of being able to win the Super Bowl. Now, you did lose Emmanuel Sanders. You did lose star quarterback Drew Brees, future first battle Hall of Famer to retirement. But I believe in Sean Payton. I believe in Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback for the Saints this year, I believe that the Saints will make it to the playoffs. And I'm not being biased because you guys know I am a diehard Jameis Winston fan. He is my favorite NFL player of all time. But I strongly believe that Jameis Winston will be able to take the Saints to the playoffs. Because first of all, he has a better situation than what he ever had with the Tempe Buccaneers. The Saints pretty much have a top 5, top 10 off the line. He never had that with the Tempe Buccaneers. As a matter of fact, the Tempe Buccaneers didn't improve their offensive line until Tom Brady arrived. Also, he has a running game. Never really had that with Tampa Bay. You got Alvin Kamara now in the backfield, who is one of the best running backs, if not the best back in the NFL. You got Michael Thomas. You got Traquan Smith. You have a really good group of wide receivers. You have one of the best offensive minds in NFL history in Sean Payton. Jameis Winston has the best situation ever since he's been drafted by Tampa Bay. Now, I know a lot of people are going to bring up the fact that Jameis Winston is turnover prone, and I understand that. But you guys got to understand something. Even though Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions in 2019, that would never happen again. Well, I won't say it may never happen again, but the chances of that happening are the same chances that me, you, and my grandma has of winning the lottery. Slim to none. Because to throw 30 interceptions... You have, like, there's more than just throwing it to the opposing team. Like, you got to have some tip passes in there. You got to be really bad to throw 30 interceptions for a second time. Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions in 2019 is an anomaly. Chances of it happening again are one in a million. And on top of that, you got to think, you got to remember, not all 30 of those interceptions were on Jameis Winston. You have some tip passes up there. You have wide receivers who didn't finish running through the ball. So if we're being real, Jameis Winston pretty much only, well, through like 22 interceptions. I know I say only like it's great or anything. That's not good neither. Still really turnover prone. He still has issues taking care of the football when it comes to fumbles as well. But in the day, Jameis Winston was second in the NFL in 2019 in passing touchdowns behind Lamar Jackson. He also had 5,000 yards. So, yes, you do see the bad of Jameis Winston, but you also got to see the good side of Jameis Winston. But you don't really see a lot of people talk about it. You just see people continue with this negative connotation that Jameis Winston is just this terrible quarterback that you can't win with. You can win with Jameis Winston. And as a matter of fact, Jameis Winston is going to be an upgrade from Drew Brees in some capacity because one knock on Drew Brees in the Saints offense that a lot of people have had over the last couple of years is that Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball downfield. 
The Saints didn't really have a lot of explosive passing plays for more than 20 or 30 yards down the field. Now you look at Jameis Winston, you have a guy who is really good at throwing the deep ball. You have a guy who is really aggressive. So the Saints offense, when it comes to big playability and explosiveness, should definitely improve if Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback. And you look at Sean Payton, I feel like Sean Payton is the right coach for Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston was playing with Bruce Arians, somebody whose philosophy was literally no risk it, no biscuit. Are you serious? You pair up a super aggressive quarterback with a super aggressive head coach. You really think that was going to work out? And if you guys look at the numbers... Every quarterback in the first year in Bruce Arians' system has a high number of turnovers. Carson Palmer, all of the quarterbacks who have been coached on the Bruce Arians has had a lot of turnovers in their first year under the system. If Jameis Winston would have been given a second chance and they brought back for another year on the Bruce Arians with the team that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl with, who knows? Maybe the Buccaneers could have had just as much success with Jameis Winston as they would have had with Tom Brady. I'm not saying that they would have. I'm just throwing that hypothetical out there. That Bruce Arians really gave Jameis Winston one year. And he knows and everybody else knows that every quarterback in the first season on the Bruce Arians has a high number of turnovers. Even Tom Brady. It took him a while to grasp Bruce Arians' system. He had some games that he had a good amount of turnovers. As a matter of fact, I think this is the most turnovers that Tom Brady has had in a very long time. So Bruce Arians' system is just not a system that you can just pick up and learn right off the bat. There are going to be some growing pains in there. There are going to be some highly volatile games. So you look at him going to Sean Payton. Sean Payton is a guy who is really efficient in his schemes. He's really smart in terms of being able to get the most out of whoever he has at quarterback. You saw this guy win with Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill also could be the starter. Because they could build an offense around Taysom Hill. And a lot of you guys may be like, well, JT, if you're so high on Jameis Winston, why didn't he start over Taysom Hill? The reason for that, and this was brought on by my guy, Locked On Saints podcast, Ross Jackson. If you guys watch my New Orleans Saints training camp preview, he said that when Taysom Hill signed his contract, there was a clause in there that said that if Drew Brees or something was happening to the starting Saints quarterback, that Taysom Hill would be the guy who would step up and get an opportunity to play at quarterback. And the Saints honored that. Sean Payton honored that clause in the contract. And he allowed Taysom Hill to play. So that was actually something that was in his contract. That if Drew Brees went down. That he would be the guy who would end up starting for him. And return. So when you look at Jameis Winston. I definitely feel like Jameis Winston is going to be good enough. To get the Saints into the playoffs this year. I have them at 10-7. and And I don't think the Saints are overrated. Like I think a lot of people fail to realize that this is still a really great team. And you're playing in the division that although it may be pretty tough, you got the Bucks there. The Panthers aren't going to be a cakewalk. The Falcons probably ain't going to be a cakewalk neither. They may not have a defense, but they're definitely going to be able to put a lot of points up on you. So when you look at the Saints, I understand they have some flaws. But I definitely feel like this team is being heavily overlooked. And they're going into the season really under the radar. Because a lot of people are really sleeping on Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to bounce back this year. I believe in it. And even though I am a Jameis Winston fan, I'm not being biased. I strongly believe that the Saints are a playoff caliber football team. And this is a dark horse Super Bowl team as well. You got the defense there. You got everything that you need to be successful if you are Jameis Winston, including having a really good coach. As a matter of fact, Sean Payton is probably the best head coach that he's ever had. So in the first time in his NFL career, he's getting proper coaching. And not a knock against Bruce Arians. 
Just that you have a guy who is basically encouraging Jameis Winston to be reckless. Literally, the man told him, no risk it, no biscuit. So, I think that the Saints are going to make the playoffs this season. They may not win a division, but I definitely feel like they're going to be able to clinch either the 6th or 7th seed in one of the last remaining spots in the NFC playoff um, picture this season. Now, while we're on the topics of the NFL playoffs and who's going to make it and who's not, the Broncos are really interesting. Now, I've had Bronco fans all this offseason ask me, JT, can the Denver Broncos make it into the playoffs? Do you believe that the Broncos will get in? The Broncos most definitely, 100%, can make it into the playoffs this year. It all depends on what play they get out of quarterback. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be this year for the Broncos. But it's either going to be Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. And when you look at the Broncos roster, this is one of the best rosters in the AFC. You have a good off the line. You have good stable running backs. You have a great group of wild receivers. I mean, you got KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, who's going to be improved this year. You got Cortland Sutton coming back after having his season cut short really early last year. You have a top 10 defense. Von Miller's coming back. You bring in Patrick Sartan to improve the cornerback position. Linebacker is still an area of concern. But overall, the Broncos have all of the tools to be a playoff team. And remember, if you guys were subscribed to the channel last year, I uploaded a video of why the Denver Broncos were the biggest sleeper team going into the 2020 NFL season. As of right now, it is my second most viewed video ever on the channel. If you guys are watching this on YouTube. But, I ended up being wrong about that. Because they had some injuries. You had Kendall Hilton who had to start a game at quarterback. Drew Locke wasn't great neither. I thought Drew Locke was going to have a breakout season. And I thought he was going to end up being an MVP candidate. Because in the last five games that he played prior to 2020, he was outstanding. But you did have to learn a new system with COVID and everything like that. I understand that. But at the end of the day, there's still no excuses for the way that Drew Locke played. Because Drew Locke got outplayed by rookies quarterback in Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. He got outplayed by two rookies who never took a snap in the NFL, had to learn new playbooks, and only had really one off, really one month of training camp to learn the system and get acclimated to the NFL with no preseason. And they balled out and outplayed them. So there's really no excuses for the way July played last year because I know there are a lot of Denver Broncos fans who want to use the excuse, well, JT, you had COVID, he had to learn a new system, da 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 But so did Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. And those two guys were rookies. Not only have they never played a down, they had to learn all of their installs on Zoom meetings. You only had one month of training camp. And Justin Herbert was named the starter 15 minutes before kickoff against the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. And he balled out. He balled out. So if you had two rookie quarterbacks who balled out during COVID, Despite having to learn new systems and new playbooks and get acclimated to the NFL game, why couldn't Drew Locke have did that? There's no excuse. Stop making excuses for poor freaking play. Stop it. Broncos fans just need to come up with the... They just need to come out and say that, you know what? Drew Locke was not great this year. Hopefully he improves. I don't understand why so many people around this time make so many bullshit excuses for lackluster play. 
There's literally no excuses. Drew Locke still had a really good team. And he didn't perform. So this year, this offseason, he reportedly has been doing a lot of work with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has pretty much taken him under his wing. And he's been mentoring Drew Locke. They've been going over film. And I think that's going to be really good. And I'm interested in seeing how that pays off for Drew Locke. Now, meanwhile, we can't forget about Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater was pretty much um, spoiled me once the offseason hit with Carolina. And I said a lot of Panthers fans that Teddy Bridgewater was a bridge quarterback. No pun intended. He wasn't a long-term answer. And Teddy Bridgewater was a guy who was going to win you a couple of games at first, but he's not going to win you a lot. You may not lose a lot of games, but you're not going to win a lot of games neither. And when you saw how Teddy Bridgewater performed that start of the year, he was pretty good. But as we progressed throughout the rest of the NFL season, when the Panthers were in one possession games with two minutes left and they were down by a touchdown, Teddy Bridgewater was not able to get the job done. And part of being a successful quarterback in the NFL is being able to produce with the game on the line. And Teddy Bridgewater wasn't able to do that. And that's why Carolina cut bait with him and replaced them with Sam Darnold and shipped them to Denver. But I think Vic Vangio, being the head coach that he is, wanting to rely on his defense to win games, Teddy Bridgewater is definitely the perfect quarterback that he wants. Because Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who's very careful with the football. He's not going to have a lot of turnovers. And he's really smart. And that's the kind of style of quarterback that Vic Vangio, or defensive-minded coach, prefers because they want their defense on the field with a chance to win the game, not the offense. So when you look at Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's the perfect fit in Denver. But when you look at Drew Locke, the offense definitely is going to be better if Drew Locke performs well than what it will be if Teddy Bridgewater performs well. Because Teddy Bridgewater is like another version of Alex Smith. He takes a lot of check downs, doesn't push the ball downfield all that much, doesn't take a lot of risk. This pros and cons to having that kind of style playing quarterback. Meanwhile, you have Drew Locke, who is more of a gunslinger. He takes a lot of shots downfield. and He's not afraid to throw a ball into double coverage. But that comes at the expense of having a lot of turnovers. And when you have a lot of turnovers, that means your defense is going to have to come back on the field and they're going to be on the field for more snaps than what they need to be. Similar to what happened with Jameis Winston in 2019, I told everybody that the Buccaneers had a top 10 defense that year. The reason why it wasn't all that great was because that defense was constantly on the field due to Jameis Winston constantly turning the football over. So with Drew Locke, if he improves, this offense is definitely going to be really good, and the Broncos can definitely make it into the playoffs. It all depends on the play that they get at quarterback. And you're playing in a really tough division, a division that has the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the pretty much favorites to make it back into the Super Bowl and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl for a third straight year. You got the LA Chargers with head coach Brandon Staley. That defense is going to be really good, and the offense should still be good because I don't think Justin Herbert is going to have a sophomore slump. They're also a playoff team. You had the Las Vegas Raiders, who are always a playoff team at the start of the year. They just can't finish out the season. They always fizz it out after Thanksgiving, going into the month of December. But they're also a playoff team as well. So for the Broncos, you're in a really tough division. But I definitely feel like if you can get at least above average play from the quarterback position this year, you can make it into the playoffs. So it's not about does Denver have enough talent to make the playoffs. The question is, do they have the right quarterbacks to make it into the playoffs? And the last topic I want to talk about, I want to talk about why Carson Wentz will succeed with the Indianapolis Colts. 
Now, I had a Tennessee Titans fan that commented on one of my videos, and he asked me as a Titans fan, do you think that I should be concerned about Carson Wentz with the Indianapolis Colts? Are they a threat to the Titans in the division with Carson Wentz? Because Carson Wentz wasn't all that great at Philadelphia. My answer to that is definitely yes. If you are a Titans fan, you definitely should not be overlooking the Indianapolis Colts. I understand that Carson Wentz and how his 2020 season went with Philadelphia went really ugly. He played really bad and he ended up being benched. But you also got to look. You had a team that wasn't great, didn't have any talent on the off the line due to injuries. The coaching kind of declined over the years ever since winning the Super Bowl. And Carson Wentz was playing hero ball a lot of times. But if you look back at what he did in 2019 when he carried Philadelphia to the playoffs, he was a top 10 quarterback. Before last year, I released my quarterback rankings and I had Carson Wentz over Dak Prescott. A lot of Cowboy fans came at me and I told them that Carson Wentz did more flips. Now, everybody's going to say I was wrong, but I don't think I was wrong. This was before the season. This was based on what happened in 2019. And based on 2019, Carson Wentz was the best QB in that division because he did more with less. This is a Carson Wentz that carried Philadelphia on his back to the playoffs. And before that, this guy was a MVP candidate the year they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So for Carson Wentz, when he was playing his best football before everything went left in 2020, he was a top 10 quarterback pretty much. But then 2020 came around, he has a bad year, and everybody just wants to call him garbage. Like, one bad year doesn't make you trash. And you got to remember that Frank Wright and Carson Wentz have a lot of familiarity because Frank Wright was the former OC for Philadelphia. So with him going back to Frank Wright, Frank Wright is going to know the strengths that Carson Wentz has and the weaknesses that Carson Wentz has. So he's going to put Carson Wentz in a situation, in a system that's going to maximize his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. And on top of that, you're going to a coach team that has a pretty good off the line, even though they do have concerns at left tackle. You have a solid group of wide receivers, not the greatest, but you do have Michael Pittman there. You got Paris Campbell. You got Zach Pascal. You do have T.Y. Hilton, who is now starting to have father time catch up to him. But you do have a great stable of running backs. Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Himes, Marlon Mack. So for the Colts, you have a better team this season than what Carson Wentz had the season prior. And if you give Carson Wentz a good team, he's going to be able to produce. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a chance that this can't work out. Because it very well could crash and burn. But I think this is going to... Be a really good pickup for the Colts. I think Carson Wentz is going to end up being a long-term answer at QB for Indianapolis. Because a lot of people have to remember. Players in the NFL are only as good as the coaching. If you don't have great coaching, most of the times you're going to be held back. Frank Reich is a really good coach. So when you look at Frank Reich with Carson Wentz. I think that Carson Wentz is going to have a lot of success. Because like I tell people so many times that coaching in this league matters. So everybody just keeps looking at the fact that Carson Wentz wasn't good last season, but nobody is looking at the fact that he's now with a new team that has a better head coach than what Doug Peterson was last season. You have a head coach now that's going to be able to find what makes Carson Wentz successful. A lot of people overlook how important coaching matters. Coaching matters a lot in the NFL. You can have a bad coach 
and have a great quarterback and still miss the playoffs. You can have a bad quarterback and still make it to the playoffs if you have a great head coach. So coaching matters a lot in this league and not too many people are looking at the fact that Frank Reich is the head coach of Indianapolis coach. You got too many people who are just looking at Carson Wentz and they're not looking at the whole entire coaching situation in Indianapolis. And for my diehard football fans out there, you understand how important coaching is in this league. If you're not well coached, you're not going to have a lot of success no matter how talented of a team you have. And I've said this for so many times. I'm not going to keep saying it. Because it's like me beating a dead horse. But you guys understand. And this is like, just because you were in a relationship and it didn't work out and your girlfriend broke up with you, doesn't mean that you're not good in relationships. It just means that your last relationship didn't work out. It wasn't a good fit. Maybe you just need a different spouse. And for Carson Wentz, maybe he just needed a new fresh start. Similar to Drew Brees. Drew Brees was cast out by, the at the time, the San Diego Chargers, now named the LA Chargers. Signed with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton and resurrected his career. He's now a first battle Hall of Famer. How many quarterbacks have you seen be cast aside, said that they weren't good anymore, and then they end up bouncing back? Same thing with Indianapolis after Peyton Manning had that neck injury. Many people questioned if he was going to be the same. He ends up being a free agent. He signs with Denver Broncos. And he has a lot of success. Even won a Super Bowl with them. Sometimes people need a change of scenery. Sometimes people need a second chance. I think Carson Wentz is going to do a lot of good things with the Indianapolis Colts this year. And if you're a Titans fan, the Colts are definitely a threat to win the AFC South this season. Now, this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Um, make sure that you guys leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to share the podcast with your friends, families, and acquaintances on social media. Rather, that be Facebook, Instagram. If you're listening to this, um, you know, give me a shout-out. You know, let me know that you're listening to the podcast. You know, add me on Twitter or add me on Instagram, and I'll definitely share it because I appreciate all of the support. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I will see you guys with episode 9 of the JT Sports Podcast soon.